Hello, Jeremy. You're in Toronto. I am. I'm a little out of sorts. Cause I, I, just to explain to our listeners, you were born and raised in Toronto? Yep, born and raised in the yeah. big city of Canada. And, and then all of a sudden, your wife had to go get a job in the country, and you guys moved. <laughs> yeah, we moved to Calgary, yeah. um, which is in Alberta. And then the funny thing is, for, for, from my point of view, it seemed like you were much more excited about moving to Calgary than Kristen was. Yeah, it's pretty, like, it's interesting to be back here because rem- I'm reminded why <laughs> a little bit. Because um, your place is so small? Yeah, exactly. Like, I was just, like, trying to set up the laptop here at the kind of kitchen table. And it's like, I have to squeeze into my chair and then, like, my microphone's falling on but, the ground. But the, <laughs> the irony is, it it's not like you guys couldn't afford to get a bigger place. You, you were just afraid to and then you're like oh let's buy a big house somewhere else but if you combine the house and yeah, the apartment you could have a bigger apartment yeah that yeah. that logic has um transpired in my head before um and so we could always consolidate and, and also, move back also i don't know if this is private but this whole thing that where you guys moved out of your apartment and then you're afraid to sublet it because that person might scratch something <laughs> and so you're always afraid to spend anything but then yeah I don't know. I, th- I find it funny. Yeah. 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 But we're back here. We're actually using it, which is nice. Um, and we're going to oh, get cool. it ready for rental. You're both. Are you guys both there? Yep. Yeah. We're both here for the next six weeks. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. And the, yeah, it was nice. We went out for dinner last night with Who, friends back in the city. Everything's super energetic and, and, you know, it's just like. What did you have for dinner? We had like extremely expensive modern Chinese food. <laughs> You know when they take oh, something okay. that's like normally cheap, like fried rice, but then they're like a hundred dollars. <laughs> it was that. I I'm a big proponent of underdog restaurants. Yeah. I don't like the the ones that are famous and then can charge five times more. Yeah, this is like one of those. I don't think it's Michelin starred or anyway, but it was like on the, you know one of those top. It's Michelin pricing. Michelin yeah. pricing. Yeah, that's it. My, my least favorite thing is when restaurants are expensive, but they make lowbrow recipes. So they're like really expensive mac and cheese or st- stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this was actually yeah. better than that. Uh, but uh, yeah. And it was like a chef's course, you know, like where they just keep bringing out what, whatever the chef wants. Oh, yeah. I mean, me and Christina were both not the biggest people. So the, the whole chef's course doesn't make sense for us. Like halfway, you're painfully full and you have to keep going because it's rude to stop. But mm-hmm. why would you pay to feel sick? Yeah, I know. Yeah, you pay I guess. top dollar to feel sick. And it, we all know it's unhealthy. And I, I know from the restaurant's business model, it's like, well, every seat is guaranteed to bring this much revenue. We know exactly how much food we have to buy for each seat and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It makes sense, but... Yeah, and much more about the let's order a salad and a, a cheese plate and maybe mm-hmm. another small thing. And That's our normal thing. I mean, these are our one, yeah. uh, our one couple that can like afford to have like a reckless meal. Um, so like once a year, I, we'll, I, we'll I agree with I, I agree with with top meal made very, but I don't agree with the quantity because it, it really brings the enjoyment down. Yeah, it, no, I get it. It's like, it's like. Um, What's a good analogy? I like going to a concert and maybe there's one opening act. And I'm not a big fan of the festival where it's like two days of maybe you see 24 different music acts. Mm-hmm. It's just too much. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, same with biennials. I'd rather see a solo show. So yeah, I think I also had too many drinks. At one point, it was like a teapot of liquor of cocktails. <laughs> it's like, and so I, I always was under the impression you don't drink alcohol. I, on these, yeah. these are the this is my like kind of exceptional friends where I'll drink more with them because I don't. They drink less than they used to, but they used to be like heavy drinkers. I think you know, so to keep up and be polite. Well, and and here's the funny thing: when you grow older and you're like. Oh, it's our anniversary. We should do one of these really expensive dinners. Mm-hmm. Then you go home. You're so full. You're about to throw up. You definitely don't feel like being intimate with each other because you're both like morbidly full of food. <laughs> and the next day you're hungover. <laughs> That's not going to spice up your relationship, if you know what I mean. No, actually, I just had a, like I'm almost had a fight with Kristen before I got on because I was like trying to fix a faucet and I think because I'm a little hungover I was a bit irritable I'm like this washer is too big (laughs) I can't can't fix this faucet why do we have why don't we have the right washers (laughs) she's like I have no idea what you're talking about (laughs) Um, I mean it it is really nice if you can have a life of mostly in Calgary and then two months of Toronto get your fix yeah that sounds nice uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if we rent it, that won't be the case. I think, but if we rented it, we could stay in a luxury hotel for six weeks. So, I mean, I don't know. Uh, yeah, we'll see. It is nice to be back in your own home, though. Our, you, know. you could also do a trade with someone who wants to be in Calgary for the summer. Oh, yeah. That's what our previous owners of our house in Calgary did. They they did this house swapping thing. Have you ever heard of that? It's like called house swap. Yeah, there's websites, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, and you yeah. can just trade. Like, you could go spend the summer in Greece and they're like, and then jokes on them, or, or what? <laughs> just kidding. But like, uh, <laughs> but you can basically travel the world because people want to be in the, you know, go to the Rocky Mountains, and so they can stay at our house, and then we might want to see like yeah, the yeah, Cote yeah. d'Azur or something like that. And and is there any side of you being back in Toronto like uh, this is still my city, and this is actually feels more like home? Oh, it definitely does. Like the. Density and architecture, like there's a this kind of, you know, like brownstones in Brooklyn and Toronto. It's like kind of these Victorian red brick homes and stuff and buildings. Okay. And it's just like, it, it's very much part, I grew up in a home like that. So I have kind of childhood memories of that being like, that's what I consider. Is, are a, those homes, are those homes within reach for you guys? If, if you combine the two mm, real estate things you have? Kind of. Yeah. Our friends that we were with. Have bought a home a few years ago for it's like it would be about two million dollars. Um, so hopefully that doesn't shock yeah. our listeners, but like that's kind of entry level uh, for for like a home in the center of a city. Uh, but that's but that's the whole building from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, you can get a nice home for two million dollars. Yeah, that's probably that's probably four million in Brooklyn. Yeah. Oh, easily. I think it would probably be like five or six or something like that. Yeah, my parents' home that I grew up that's in, which why they I, paid nothing I, for, I think is like yeah. worth four million now or something. So. The whole reason we, we didn't go into real estate is because we can't afford something nice. Like We can afford something shitty, mm-hmm. and we live in a really nice place that we rent, and everyone's like, oh, you're throwing all your money, you're renting, but we do get to live in a really nice place, and to afford this place, it's, uh, yeah, it, I don't know. I'm still waiting for the big big uh, breakthrough and then what what get some, get, another get something big that feels like an upgrade. Like you've had yeah. you had a huge breakthrough here. i think you're doing really well i had an okay breakthrough but in in new york real estate that was not mm. that didn't move the needle <laughs> it's like and it's not like if you warren buffett's no, like you call you that a breakthrough with, <laughs> I don't know. 
No, but what I mean is, you know how it works. It's like you can't get a mortgage because you had a a bump one time in your income. No, no, I know, yeah. We were talking to uh, yeah. our friends, like these are our friends who also work in tech, and so we have mutual friends who, you know, did well because they worked at Shopify or something like that, and um, but they didn't do well enough that, you know, like, but they did well enough to not to work part-time or something, but like not well enough to... You know, they they own a home, but they might they can't. It's in a bad. It's not in the best neighborhood or something. And there's always. But I feel like that yeah. you've given me this lecture that it's, there's always some next step. Like you'll never be satisfied. And so you, I think you've you've reached no, no, a, no. a certain level I, of satisfaction. I think there's, yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think there's a secret hidden universe plan that is is telling me not to get into real estate and keep going because I'm probably much happier with this renting a place than owning a brownstone and there's something wrong with the roof and then mm. there's something wrong with the yard and then there's something wrong with the neighbors and then there's something it's a lot of mm-hmm. so i think there is a segue the here world, though it, it, into our yeah. into our topic i mean the day. same the, the same I, w- I was talking to a friend how for some reason he's showing a lot in china and i'm showing a lot in japan mm. and i'm like yeah Whatever it is, the universe or whatever, but I'm very happy that it was Japan because I like the food a lot more. So. They also have the lowest rate of um, unhoused or homelessness in the world. Probably, but they That's also why. have... Uh, Them in Finland, I think. Yeah. The, I'm not sure. Oh, politics. Yeah. It's not but, politics. Um, it's just that like the cost of housing yeah, in Japan is, is actually sociology. affordable. Yeah, I just saw a video about this, and it's kind of more complicated. They hide things, so people technically are not homeless, but they are. Oh, uh, so I didn't know that. You can look beneath the surface, and it's not as nice as you think. It's or like I don't there's know. like so Japanese that's... sewer people or something. Like they're putting people in weird ghettos. I don't or know. I, yeah. I'm just, I'm not an expert, but it's definitely not like you walk around Tokyo and you see a lot of homeless people. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. I, yeah, no. Oh, I did see a lot of homeless people, actually, when I was in Tokyo, um, in the area I was in. Well, a lot, like 20 of them. No, yeah, I saw 20 people living in... Actually, they were immaculate, like, cardboard box setups. I, I hope this doesn't sound yeah. offensive. and they keep offensive. their shoes... Yeah, but the shoes were outside. They keep their shoes outside yeah. when they go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, so, back to the topic of where you feel at home and, and all this. Do you... What is your five-year plan? I don't think I, ha- I have one. I mean, the five-year plan. I, I like. I was reflecting when I returned, and I think I'm reflecting right now. I don't know where you might be in your life, but it's like time seems to be obviously accelerating and um, being present. What do you mean by that? Like, it just seems like things are like going very quickly. I'm getting older, faster. Like this health thing that I talked about in the fall. Oh um, yeah. You yeah. know, or that I know I talked about actually Sort of a life is short me. feeling. Yeah, there's kind of a life is short feeling. And so, like, the idea of planning too far ahead without being present, I think I've done that for most of my life. I've thought, like, 10, 20 years ahead. And I'm that's kind of my root philosophy. But I, I, I should really work on being more present in the moment um, and appreciating yeah. what I have. And that's been, like, a constant in, reminder for uh, the last eight months. Maybe what I'm getting at... What what I was trying to ask is when are you moving back to Toronto? But maybe you you'll never. Well, I don't think it even, even matters. Also, when I moved to Calgary, I was like, like I you know it was like twenty five years of maybe you know being able to do that left you know that kind of mobility, 
And, um, you know, so maybe it's Japan, maybe it's Vancouver. Like right now I'm spending a ton of time in Vancouver. I'm enjoying that. Like maybe I could move to New oh. York or maybe I could be in Tokyo. Like, so you know. that's another question. This is maybe the Jeremy interview episode. <laughs> we'll get into the Apple headset in a second, but, um, starting a job remote you started two jobs remotely yeah right? that you never met the people before in person yeah how is that well it's freeing in the sense that you don't really need to be tied to a physical location um but it's also like kind of a prison because you have to be tied to your domestic like kind of setup and actually that was like on yesterday i worked from here yeah. and i was like and i talked to Kristen about it it's like it's really, it was really horrible to work from home here. Like the, it's not a good setup. And she's like, I know I, you were yelling yeah, you, all day. You don't I, even have a desk. I felt trapped. Yeah, 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 exactly. But what about the, the, as far as team building and the camaraderie and the, the joy of work, is that less when it's remote or more? I've been spending like um, a week, a month in Vancouver meeting with team on Monday here in Toronto. I'll meet with my Toronto uh, team. So I think, more and more things are back to normal with like these like in-person sessions. Um, I don't know if our listeners are going through the same thing. I appreciate that balance yeah, yeah. actually. I, I feel like it's a, it's a very interesting question. Mm -hmm. yeah. But like the big tech companies are forcing people back to work. Like Google, who you'd think was like, I think they were one of the first to say, it's like, it's going to be remote forever or something. I think they're forcing people back now three days a week. I heard a dark thing about the forcing people back that I cannot confirm from behind the scenes. And I love to give our listeners the corporate behind the scenes, but the dark theory, is, and I don't think this theory is true because I don't think tech's that organized, but is that they overhired, right? And they've been laying people off, but by forcing people back to work, people will quit and then they don't have to pay them severance. Um, I've just never heard. Well, that doesn't seem that... that far uh far of a stretch that seems very it does right it, but i've never heard like anyone test, say that. how dedicated are you i've just never heard anyone say that behind yeah the but i i mean i'm re-watching silicon valley now and it's exactly as you described that this like in season two they found out there's a non-compete clause they have in their contract which was illegal yeah they shouldn't have done that hooli and then They're like, oh, actually, because of this technicality, you can fire half the staff and keep all their um, stocks and you will actually make money by firing them. And he's like, okay, great, let's do it. I mean, that's definitely happened and, at some companies this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so let's, yeah. We don't have to pretend. It, that's not a, what do you call it? Like, that's not a stretch that seems. The just, thing I can share that's not yeah. a stretch because I've seen it in a few places now is that you'll start to hear language like almost like memes or cultural genes get passed from company to company. And I think I've talked about that on the podcast before and people start to say like, well, we were the first to do it and everyone else is going to do it. But there's a bit of a herd mentality. Yeah. I, I heard that thing where Elon Musk decided to fire 80% of the people and the product is still running Twitter. Yeah. And all the other CEOs are like, Hmm. Yeah. And that, mm. and that basically it's like, yeah. you know, if it, like, if they ran the experiment and it was successful, why wouldn't it be successful in, in some tech companies, not the ones I've worked in recently, it'll be like, we don't need a product strategy. We should just copy what others are doing. Um, and we'll just make, you know, as they're already successful. So if we copy them, we'll also be successful. And that's like 
one of my pet peeves, actually. That's why I haven't heard it in yeah. on any team I'm on because when I do hear it, that's like, you know, kind of something that triggers me because uh, it's so unstrategic and so stupid. Um, I love seeing competitors copy the things my teams do. That's always a, such a huge compliment, but I, it's one of the things that I, I find the most revolting. That and, and the terms low hanging fruit. <laughs> like I hate yeah. that term. <laughs> and and out of out of all your friends from uh, tech companies that were laid off, yeah. are most of them back to work. Um, yeah, most people are in some kind of work. Though there was, there were more recently. There's been layoffs, like even in the last month or so, um, that have affected large numbers of people. So I think um, it's not over yet. But the lion's share of layoffs were in January, and those folks have most all found jobs. Um, I just know some fresh people now out there working, looking for work. Shopify recently yeah. laid off a whole bunch of people. And this was like their second round. And they said it was arbitrary. Like who got let go? It wasn't based on like if you were a low or high performer. It was just like oh, okay. you said at Huli. It was like a random, you know, algorithm that decided. But then in, in, in an optimistic view, you could say, there's a lot of large companies that become inefficient and have people who are not working on something useful. And then if those people are laid off, there's a higher chance that whatever next job they have, or it might be that in the whatever next position they have, they might start something themselves or they might work for a smaller company that actually needs them. And it's like a better allocation of, of people, Yeah, you would think. I think one of the things that I took for granted... Um, maybe this is useful for our listeners, is the value. Of, and a friend of mine shared this, and I didn't understand it until I, I had the experience. But there's a great amount of value in seeing the same things go wrong in multiple places <laughs> because it puts you in a position where you can avoid that mistake maybe in your third or fourth opportunity to do so. And so well, that's called experience. Exactly. But if you're in one place too long, sometimes it goes the wrong way. And you're like, well, that never yeah. worked here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... You know, we'll never try that again or something like that. And so you end up, well, you, yeah. You remember, you remember we reviewed that movie, Il Posto. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good example. The, the, the Italian office worker in the large corporation, and they're like, well, it's a shitty job, but you'll have it your whole life. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the way it was. That no longer exists. But I think in a way it's probably healthy because tech had reached this kind of like greedy party zone like place that... I don't, I, it just didn't seem sustainable. I've talked about it on the podcast before where it was like, this is nothing to do with the staff. It's actually more with like, the culture was less and less about the customer and more and more about stock price and valuation. And people were getting, were messaging me about getting into jobs. And I don't want this to go come off the wrong way, but it was like, because the money was good and, um, that is one reason I entered tech in the first place, but it wasn't anywhere near as good as what it was uh, just recently. And so would I'd be like, but do you even like doing this? Like, um, and they'd be like, no, but like, this is what, you know, where everything's going or whatever. And like, <laughs> no, but once I'm 65, I'll get to do something fun, but then I'll be too tired. Yeah. So maybe it's like the El Posto thing where it's just like, okay, like there are a lot of good jobs, but also like you have one life and Maybe I'm over glamorizing it, but like I think effort applied towards service toward a community that you believe in. Like I and I've always believed like I want to work somewhere where I actually like where I do now, where I'm helping other artists or creators or whatever. For me, that like that's per the purpose part of it. Otherwise, I'm not motivated. Um, like I, yeah, 
I don't know. I tried working in a basically. You're like, I already own two houses. How many more do I need? No, it's not about that. It was because, like I said, it would. No, I know. It's like, for example, if you become an artist, you know, you're not usually doing it because there's going to be a big payout, right? Like, and I've complained that, like, they almost set you up with the opposite expectation. Like, don't expect anything, right? Is kind of the mantra. Expect to be poor. But. Yeah. The only thing that's going to carry you through is some feeling of purpose that, you know, this is this is both good for your yourself and the world. Otherwise, like uh, and very as you've always mentioned, like it starts with the self. So I, I still think the same thing applies because I've helped I've managed a lot of people and I've managed people out of organizations where they're like unhappy, but they're making a lot of money. And I'm like, why are you unhappy? Well, like, I really wanted to do this other thing. And I'm like, well, why don't you do it? And then they're like, because no one's ever the supported only thing me. That's, that, the thing that's really dangerous with that I'm unhappy and purpose stuff is that someone might win the lottery and they're like, well, here it is. Here's all the money. Now you can write your novel. And then they, it's that thing where it's better not to live the dream. It's better as a dream. For a lot of people, they might then have the typewriter in front of them. And well, this is not as fun as I thought it would be. Yeah, I mean, I, I've worked with a bunch of people who have like pivoted out of corporate and into art uh, or into something they're passionate about. And then I've checked in with them a couple of years later and they're, you know, 10 times happier. I have also found people that are like, no, it didn't work. I went back to the thing. Um, I mean, it's it's unique. I think that's the only like I don't want to pretend there's like a rule or advice here. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm not saying it has to be art, like someone whose dream it is to start a bed and breakfast or a bakery mm. or a, a so sewing dresses or whatever it is making furniture with wood and Mm -hmm. um, is this is the segue here 20 minutes in though to like did steve jobs follow his purpose (laughs) is tim cook happy or satisfied with his legacy well i i yeah obviously the apple presented the vision pro headset and it's supposed to be better than others and uh, we haven't tried it so we we're not sure but I was curious for you, I, I didn't want to speculate how this is going to change the world, but I was curious as a medium, what does it do better than other media? And that that's my interest. And, and so maybe mm-hmm. I'm sure you've seen the demos and you've read the articles and impressions from tech journalists or, or do you not care? No, but let's, it? yeah, let's talk about it because like, so if we're, if we're Marshall McLuhan. You know, no, my question yeah. is, were you excited about it? I was, yeah, it? I was very excited. Um, be- what 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 was exciting for you? Because you know much more about AR than I do. Uh, yeah, so like I, I was very excited because everyone has been chasing kind of the wrong outcome, like and the wrong and the wrong strategy for a very very long time now. To the extent that it's like extremely frustrating to watch on AR. And excuse me. <coughs> Bless you. <coughs> Yeah, I don't know if we can edit that out. I'm allergic to the, <laughs> the, to the bad, <laughs> to the bad strategy. But basically, they've been saying like they've been trying to ship the lead. And in software, this is a very common thing to do. Let's ship when you the, say they, you, you let's mean talk about Microsoft, Google, Microsoft, Google, Magic Leap, um, North, the company I almost worked Vive. for. Uh, yeah, HTC Vive. HTC. Yeah. Um, with with a, one exception, uh, which was a company called Varjo. Um, which is, I think it's either Finnish or Swedish, it's Scandinavian. And they were like, no, 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 we're just going to make the best quality headset 
uh, possible so that you can see exactly what you asked me, like what this would look like without a compromise, right? And because all those other products, if you've tried them, they all have this like some crippling compromises. But the biggest one is you see the demo videos and they're, you're surrounded in a world, right? That's mixed. You feel trapped. But yeah, you, you feel but trapped. it's also like that's you're mixed. Biggest yeah, exactly. You're either if it's VR, you can't see the world, you know, the world you're in. Um, but if it's AR, there's like a little tiny window that's like a postage stamp in front of you and it's like you're looking through a straw but you can see the edges of the virtual and it, mm. it like if you go back to cinema imagine that they had you know they released the first and i guess maybe this well, is kind of how like the first animation in a zoetrope was kind of like that no it's, you're right it's animated but it's in a little box but it didn't yeah, take off it didn't take off until everyone could no. go to this place where your entire field of view was completely occupied by a, a, a different reality where you were able, able to enter yeah. the dream so to speak now but yeah let me, let me ask a simple question to you yeah like you know i love listening to music yeah and uh I, lo I love big speakers in a big room and then of course headphones have come a long way and you can get a preamp and a special headphones and in theory the headphones could sound as good as speakers in a large room there's still something about speakers in the large room that feels you feel much more liberated. Like mm -hmm. if you're in a room of your own with big music, you feel much freer than if you're behind your laptop with with really high quality headphones. At least for me, maybe some other no, people I agree. prefer the headphone music I, I, experience. I think you're but, almost describing so my the, like Toronto versus Calgary experience, though. Like <laughs> it's like yeah, that's that's exactly and, yeah. and this feeling of freedom of like oh, I control a little bit of space as opposed to I have to hide in the corner. Mm -hmm. And I imagine, for example, that you could experience a 3D movie better in VR than uh, at a movie theater. Most certainly, yeah. But still, I still think it's, at least for me, this feels like headphones for your eyes. And they're better headphones than before, but it's just, I haven't tried the The headphones thing, for the eyes is a specific Steve Jobs quote, though, right? Where he was like... You know, we've invented like amazing headphones for ears. You can feel like you're in the symphony and be walking down the street in New York City. But no one has done that for the eyes. He he famously like that was one of his last statements. Like, not that he was projecting okay. that that would come out, but that was one of his like. I mean, the air the AirPods are, are so successful in in the AR. I, I think yeah. because they even have that transparency thing where you hear your environment, but you can keep a podcast on and yeah, you'll notice traffic. You're not in danger. But still, if you compare that from music listening to either going to a live concert or being in a listening room with a top quality stereo, um, yeah, it's convenient, but it's less of less. Yeah, quality. but think about it. Like the air, so the AirPods are a content continuation of Sony's Walkman. You know, like because it required several innovations yeah. to get there, right? But portable audio versus being able to like you know, be in a, like, hi-fi, like, perfect, you know, living room yeah, setup like, like, in the like 70s. Maybe the, this, this, but the stereo in your car maybe is not as good as the stereo you have at home, but the driving is added, which adds so much to the experience. And a lot of people prefer listening to music in the car because you're in this isolated sound booth and, and the, the view of driving is great. And so for a lot of people, music is, is best in the car, not at home. Yeah, and I think... 
So that's what's confusing about for a lot of people about this Apple Vision Pro as a first take on, on an AR device, which is like they actually didn't present it as a freedom-creating device. They, they made sure that people were like sitting down. I, I tweeted like an hour before, I think this whole thing's going to be about fitness and fitness plus and stuff. And then they didn't mention, they didn't even okay. have people moving. And um, I was talking with someone mm. else and I think. Yeah. You know, and I've, I, I, have you tried the AirPods Max, those over the ear? Headphones? I haven't, but I heard they're really heavy. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think I've ordered them three times, returned them two times. <laughs> really? And I keep trying them. Yeah, because the sound is really good. And then I return. And also because they connect more seamlessly with everything. And I hate the over-ear headphones with other brands that mm. you have to do all this work to connect to. Yeah. So I want them to work. And then I'll put them on my head. And then I'll go to my sketchbook on the table. And they almost fall off of my head. And my head because... It, and the first comments on the Apple Vision, the Vision Pro, is that it's really heavy. And even more than the headphones. So... And so much yeah. so that they put, you know, that to oh, lighten boy. it up, they took the battery out and put it in like a little, you know, yeah, kind of fanny yeah, yeah. pack thing. And, and then one of the things they said, they never said virtual reality, but they said spatial computing. And it's all about having all these different virtual screens in your space, almost like spaces on a, on a Mac where you have your email environment and then you have your creative environment and then you have your calendar environment, mm -hmm. whatever. And one of the tech reviewers was like, oh, once you've done that, it's really weird to go back to your desktop screen, even though it, it's a high-res one. Mm -hmm. but, and, but you only have one screen. And, in, and in, the, in, the, in the Vision Pro world, you can have an infinite amount of screens. Yeah. But and, I, ha I have this thing. I just wanted to talk about the, the computer in my life. The computer in my life is constantly... I walk away from it all the time. So I will sit down for 15 minutes do a call, answer an email, buy something online, do some color studies, and then go back to the kitchen and make some tea. Mm -hmm. And it's really effortless. And I'm just and part of why I don't have a studio is because I work from home because my work is really embedded in my life. It's not like six hours of work and then six hours of free time. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people have this thing, even in an office, where you're constantly going from the computer to your person next to you, to lunch, to... Mm -hmm. So maybe there's a benefit to this focus mode that you put a, the goggles on and, and you're in it and you're jacked in. Um, well, yeah, it's all hypothetical. Yeah, so I, we just I, don't know. I, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to hear you talk about the computer in your life, like the life computer or something like that. But I, yeah, I think the yeah. interesting thing about the way this was presented is like if Marshall McLuhan were alive, he'd be like, you know, almost laughing or being like, see, I told you so. But like every new media media is the history of the last. And so I don't know if it, Apple did this as an explicit strategy. The desk metaphor. But like, yeah. and we talked about that as briefly at the, on the last episode, but like, what did they present as the killer app? They, they said like this virtual reality, AR reality, the spatial computing device is actually like the, an iMessage window floating in front well, of you. No, but they even went a step further and they said it's the best device to watch a movie on. Um, yeah. Which I was like, wait a second, yeah. isn't the movie theater the best device to watch a movie on? And isn't that like a hundred year old I've, invention? Yeah. I've been going back to the movie theater a lot more, maybe twice a week. And it is far superior to anything else for watching movies. Like, I can't even compare it. To me, at home, I always feel like I'm on the airplane look, going through this menu and compromising my choices to what's available. Mm -hmm. 
You know how if you're on an airplane, you're like, well, it's all shit. This one's the least shitty. Yeah. That's how I feel when I go through Netflix and HBO. And I know I could rent something else, but you don't because you've paid for HBO when you do. And then you go to the theater to a film you really want to see or, or the theater here, is, they have a very particular selection. So they kind of challenge you and you're locked in there with a bunch of friends and you laugh a lot more. And mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. No, it, no, it's, it's interesting true what you're saying. Yeah. It's like it, 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 but what, what you're saying is that's an evolved form that's at the end of its perfect. Yeah. Um, like the AirPods for the, you. It, the, yeah. Yeah. But it's also yeah, like, like, like a, listening to AirPods while you're cooking. That that's perfect. There's nothing. There's no compromise there. It's not like oh, there's a better form of listening to a podcast. But I, what I also think it is, it's a way for people to understand, like this next step, right? And so if they'd come in and said like, guess what, <laughs> you know, like movies are now made of noodles and they float around you, right? Like you'd be like, what? Like yeah. I don't know what this yeah. thing is for. Noodle video. No, I understand. You have to take steps. Yeah. I, I completely understand. That's the classic, uh, like early synths it's actually not completely true because if you look at the history of synthesizers the Moog company was more like it should sound like an organ mm -hmm. and have uh, keys like an organ and a normal scale so you can learn music the same way you learn on a piano mm -hmm. and then there was a, I think they were on the east coast and in the west coast they were like no you shouldn't have keys it should be more like a theremin and it should be a next dimension of making music and more spaced out and more surreal or, yeah. or psychedelic and so i think there are i'm not saying that doesn't happen like i way, just there, what i just people who but there are like five yeah. or six other companies that yeah. did that think about what magic leap showed in their demos but, like a whale going through your living room you know like <laughs> like yeah shooting. exactly but the idea of of a of a text message in spatial computing is is really regressive like a window with text that's like two steps Back. Would it be better if like a little pigeon flew into the onto your windowsill and had a little like tiny little yeah, scroll I and guess, you pulled it out know. of its little tiny talons and you read the text message from the virtual pigeon? And then and then there's the the dark mirror. I've never watched Dark Mirror. New season's whole, out right now. There's a whole. Oh yeah, well they can. I'm they should pay for this, this but, podcast. <laughs> exactly, but the whole the, there's this whole um, train of thought that. Whatever is coming, we extrapolate it to the absolute worst. And so we see the, the Vision Pro as a first step towards mm, sort of a corporate computer in, in, your, mm -hmm. in your cerebral cortex built in. And it just feeds you whatever they want you to buy and uh, whatever they want you to think and all that stuff. So uh, that's always the... When, whenever you start extrapolating, then your mind goes to the darker imagination. And, uh, well, I mean, I was really excited that the movie Her... Did you feel any dystopian vibes? Well, it felt like Her, like which is one of my favorite movies. And I, when I watch Her, yeah. I don't read it as a dystopian film. I, I, I read it as like almost like a meditation on the inevitable future like in some ways that it's like they always say science fiction, you know, whatever we think of as science fiction is here. It's just not evenly distributed. Right. Or not they, but that's like that mm -hmm. famous quote is like the future is here. It's not, it's the William Gibson quote, right? It's just not evenly sure. distributed. And I think this is the first example of an even distribution of something I've been working with for like 20 years, which is the psychology that we are all, are all kind of embedded in, but we don't acknowledge it as such yet, which is that we spend most of our time inside of screens. And so, the next evolved step is obviously that 
you know, we step into the screen. Now, like, I, I only say that I think it's more evenly distributed because the first phone call that I received after the keynote was from my mother, who's in her 80s. And she had had a conversation with my dad, who has Alzheimer's. And they both agreed the Vision Pro was something they needed right away. <laughs> and that it was going to really, imp- you know, they've always had the latest technology. It was going to improve my dad's memory because he'd be able to relive mm. these like, because it, it yeah, does this yeah. like video recordings in, in 3D. And so it helped yeah, him sure. like continue to live a normal life. And I thought, wow, like they did something right here that my 80-year-old parents are excited about this future. Um, they weren't like, ooh, it's yep. a dystopia, right? Like, they've, like, as far yeah. as they're concerned, like this is this but, was a, an exciting new step. And so, one one of the prejudices or dystopic views of technology is that it isolates people, or it tends to isolate people. Yeah. And you could argue that the telephone was invented to connect people. You you can't use it unless you talk to someone. So it's a communication device, mm-hmm. and then the TV brought the the movie theater at home so it's already a bit more isolated but you're still watching it with the whole family you could only afford one tv yeah. with the family yeah and then spreadsheets and all that stuff basically sped up office work well it was and, like the idea of a home computer vid- it was like bring and video the office games home. i think are, yeah. yeah i think early video games also brought people together um Things have a tendency to bring people together. The phone is is kind of more an isolation device than than the desktop computer, in my experience. The like the the it's cell phone. It's kind of social, but it's like fakes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But and 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 this the the iPhone. It's kind of like a. To me, maybe that's also my age, but no, the data the, the data nets it out. One, like for young people, especially, it's isolating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I feel like when we grew up with Web One the internet made it possible for me to meet people with very different interests around the world. Mm-hmm. But it was still about meeting people in person because the, the computer was just not enough to communicate. But now that, that um, the trend is that it seems that, I don't know if it's true, but that young people are more shy and have a harder time meeting each other. And then this helmet seems to be an extension of that, of making that worse. I like that you're calling it a helmet. But I, I like in my mind, uh, the reason people are kind of angry or projecting dystopias is because they're angry that, that they've that they're like a frog in boiling water already. Like you, you are already ex- you've been exposed to this dystopia for a very long time, probably since birth. Um, but you just ref- you yeah, refuse yeah, to yeah. acknowledge it, even since the invention of electricity. Yeah, yeah and so like. It, the acknowledgement that that you're already there is very difficult for people to to face, right? It's like looking in the mirror at your aging body or something, um, and it, it's just like it's ugly, right? In a way, but but the but the but the fact is that that's why I'm saying this might be true. I have no idea, but I feel like I've been blessed that through technology, I've met people like you. Mm-hmm. And that we get to talk every week. So I, in in my life, I don't feel isolated because of technology. Yeah. So like, I mean, obviously, like we haven't talked about Zuck Zuck's view on this. Like, like we couldn't we couldn't have had this this friendship. We probably wouldn't have met had it not been for, through the internet. Yeah. No, that's true. And then we wouldn't have had a a week long a, a weekly hour long conversation in depth about a topic. And then the people that listen that reply to us. It's, there's a social component to this podcast. Mm-hmm. 
a remote component to our friendship. And so in reality, you can watch all the Black Mirror shit that you want and be depressed, but in reality, in, in my life at least, the, the internet has given me more friends than it, than it has taken. No, I'm glad you're taking that position because you're taking the position that I usually take, so it's interesting, which is like, you could you could spend a whole bunch of time like kind of lingering on the negative effects. And I've made a lot of jokes and crit- critique of AR over my entire career and it, because it's funny. Like honestly, because it because it smacks you in the face with with actually what's already true. That's I, that's why I've always I used mean, it. I mean, AR is is your entire performance body of work revolves around the irony of AR. And yeah, but the the real joke is because it's been in the past. I, I always used the real joke was like this is actually what's happening right now on your whatever technology. Like name your technology. And so you're saying, you're saying if you text with an emoji, that's the same as seeing a will in in your magic leap no texting difference. with an emoji is the same as like in yeah ar making your face into a cartoon character which you will do and i know you'll do that and you'll be laughing with friends about it within a couple of years so because we've already been doing that like with memoji or whatever or with you know other uh pla- like with snap yeah. there's f- like seven billion it'll uses just be a more day. 3d yeah it'll be more immersive yeah and no. honestly um the social is you know, if you're worried about people becoming more isolated, don't like the way product design works is, you know, yes, there's a little bit of the company extracting value, but there's also a little bit of a, a or a large amount of people really want this and they're willing to pay for it. <laughs> and so if someone does come up with an, like a social, an AR social kind of network thing or some kind of way of connecting with friends and family, it will it will exist. There's the entropy, you know, kind of, or the the momentum is towards it existing in the world. Mm. It's just that right now, yeah. like people are coming up with the ideas. There's going to be a flurry of activities similar to AI, where like, oh, now there's people that will I can test these ideas on. But like for the last twenty or thirty years, there's been an installed user base of like a hundred people that you could test your idea on. So just like when phones came out in two thousand and eight, and they were finally like smartphones. And they are finally like evenly distributed. Like I said, the use cases multiplied infinitely to this to the extent that now we can't really under we don't really understand a world without them. So, yeah, that's kind and, of the moment. I we're feel in. like there's there's the cliche you you create the future by inventing it, and I believe also that you can predict the future by predicting what you will do. So then the question is, are you going to spend four thousand bucks on this? I think I this is one where I have to um, probably start to feel it similar to like other um, like getting a smartphone like you like if you're going to if you're going to work as in with new media, you need to like you need to go buy the paint and brushes. Right. So, yeah, but I know that you're frugal. So I'm just curious, like if, if there was a buy now button, if they would release it right now, would you have done the order? Yeah. But I don't understand why people are right are, now with the, with the amount of money you have or whatever whatever your situation would you wait a while or like, no would no you I would wait just buy it. it I would just buy it because it's a historically significant yeah. device so it's like a museum piece but like I think like I bought a you know you would buy like an iPad as soon as it came out or an iPhone like it's it's on that that kind of trajectory maybe I I did I, wait I for the Apple Watch at one or two yeah. years I saw some post I think it was Beeple and he said. The Vision Pro, and it was just an image of it. And he says, "I don't think this is the iPod. I think it's the HomePod." 
Yeah, but he's wrong. Like it will be as successful as the Hope book. Yeah. I mean, I you you can call me wrong in the future. Like you can laugh at what Jeremy said, but like, um, I'm just telling you, this isn't for you and I necessarily. It's for like a generation of people that don't give a shit about your dystopia, right? Like, and I think. Uh, well, I mean, it, to me, uh, the best use case for this would be exhibitions to to test exhibition ideas and to test to see if they would work well in the space. I think the Oculus is already a tool for that, and I think this would be better. So if you can connect this with SketchUp or Cinema 4D or Rhino or whatever, and but I don't know if I would spend the 4000 bucks on it. Just as it, we're talking about, like I feel like that's the, mm-hmm. the smell test. But it's funny because they it. did a really hilarious thing in the keynote at the end that I wasn't, ex- I would never expect from Apple, but they did. It was like a Ginsu knives, like, you know, infomercial where they're like, how much would you expect to pay for the world for a home theater with a, you know, a 4k plus screen, a surround sound spatial audio system. Um, the, you know, like the, the world's like best this and that. Anyway, they like started to like name yeah, all yeah, these yeah. features. Would you expect to pay, you know, like those things combined would be well over ten or twenty thousand dollars. Announcing the you know Apple Pro Vision only yeah, yeah, three point yeah. you know three and a half thousand dollars, and so they were really like anchoring it on. Like it was very similar to when Steve Jobs came out with for the iPhone. You might remember he is like a revolutionary yeah, phone, it's a, this, a browser, it's a yeah, chops and slices, and so they're trying to consolidate. It's a consolidation device, and so well, there's 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 those images of the old Radio Shack ads with all the products, and all of those are in your iPhone. Yeah, but look around your room right now, like or our listeners, and count the number of screens in your pocket and around you, and then ask yourself, what if there was you just invested in one screen instead? I know, then it would be the laptop. Like the laptop is the one you can't live without. You you can't submit taxes from your phone. You can't uh, do your work. If you only had one device to survive, it would be the laptop. Yeah, but what if you could have all the devices that, with you all the time, right? Like that. I think that's I know, the problem. But there's 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 no. You you know you come from fresh books. You know there's no way you'll ever submit your all your admins with gestural me, interface. When you think about survival. <laughs> Let's let's be real. It's it's an additional thing. So it's not. A, they do a, show using like your laptop thing. and extending the monitor, right? So like you sit down at your laptop, it automatically recognizes somehow that you're sitting at your laptop, and then it yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying, mm-hmm. but the, the, I I don't think that's the same thing when they said the Apple Watch is going to replace the iPhone. Mm. That was one of the things that it just th- added that they thought it. would be like you you could leave the home without the iPhone and you can answer calls. You can do text through Siri yeah, with voice. You could be Dick Tracy. Yeah. Good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. But generally people they added cellular to the, yeah. to the Apple watch, but do you ever leave the house without the phone? No, no, it's true. And my Apple watch battery dies yeah. now at like 3 PM, but <laughs> <laughs> it actually really bums me out because it yeah. looks like I'm not getting burning as many calories, but I'm working harder. Jesus. Apple. Uh, no, but you're right. Like they're, uh, how, they're in the business yeah. of selling things, and so it's one I more thing to the, sell. Sure. Back to back to our episode of the laptop where we talked about like that's our electric guitar. I I still think the laptop is the thing. It's the heart of the artist practice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think the one thing I just don't want to talk about is that this is like going to eventually be a thin pair of glasses. No one on, no one listening expect that in the next ten years. I'm like that is that. Yeah, there's no. That's way. an absurd premise. So you're going to see. No, but if if, if it, it's the same with headphones. If if you look at headphones, if you want high quality audio, AirPods are okay. It's fine. Mm-hmm. But if you really want good audio, they're still really big headphones, and it's the same with lenses, and it's the same. So if you want some kind of vision thing that looks like reality i there's this thing where we we just think like oh here's this and let's just extrapolate you can't just extrapolate everything you can't be like well this ai chatbot is going to be amazing in five years it's like, that's not necessarily true you can but there's just so many breakthroughs that would be necessary for that to be real within even within our lifetimes unfortunately i, I i'm sure there's a few yeah, people but, but, that don't believe me but i'm i'm telling you like yeah. it's pretty far off I mean, you you work remotely. Video calls are still kind of stressful. They don't feel calm. No. I don't think yeah. there's any technology that can make video calls feel relaxing. I'm much more relaxed with them than I was five years ago, though. Pre-pandemic, I would like rather yeah, but slip what's, my wrist. What's it gonna? What would it take, f- technology-wise? Because um, even if you remember in Star Wars, those hologram holography hologram calls they're always stressful they're always that kind of breaking up uh-huh. uh, so even in a galaxy far far away they haven't solved it but um i it's very hard for me to imagine i find phone calls very relaxing and i think audio quality has gotten a lot better mm-hmm. if you have a not a phone call but like a facetime or whatsapp call even half the time those are shitty but you're, you're kind of breaking up now i'm mm-hmm. I'm having to listen. I have to pay extra attention to your voice. It's still much worse than in person. Of course, the quality of but like think, analog humanity is like incredible. Yeah, but I do remember this chapter. Uh, Andy Warhol has a book called The Philosophy of Andy Warhol from A to B and Back Again. Mm-hmm. And he has a chapter about the phone and he loves the phone and he finds it much more intimate than in-person conversation. And there's... There's something to be said about when you only have voice and you don't have to worry about your appearance. There's something relaxing about that. So I, I will yeah. admit that. But video calls specifically, to me, I feel very self-conscious about the lighting, the way my face looks, etc. I have to pay more attention to the other side. There's often glitches. I don't, yeah. I don't think extra resolution or frame rate changes that. I think there's an anxiety to video. And maybe for those folks that didn't see the Apple demo or haven't read about it, which would be very few, I think. But like they're, they did present like FaceTime on this headset. And it's like, because you have the headset on, it actually... It's an emoji? It, well, it oh, like no. does a 3D scan of your face and then like tries to use machine learning to figure out what you would look like. It's kind of if you didn't have the headset on. <laughs> exactly. It's the glitchiest part that? of the demo. And then it was always like yeah. Yeah. It's also the glitchiest part of this of the demo that they showed where like it seems like the lips are quite not like not quite sinking and it gets into that uncanny valley like discomfort zombie territory and I don't know why they think that that's a killer app, but the only thing I can think is it's a position of weakness that they perceive because of what you said earlier about isolation. But, like, again, the movie theater does not try... It tried to be, the like, you know, a replacement for theater theater, but theater actually still exists. Movie theater still exists. TV exists, to your point earlier. Like, I don't think uh, video calls go away because of this, and certainly I don't, I don't really believe that, like, 
3D avatar versions of ourselves for business calls will ever replace kind of um, in-person video no. meetings, but they'll add and, and, to it probably. And what do you think uh, you would use the most on this device, different than on the Oculus? Um, I think the thing that really that's really interesting to consider in this like kind of spatial computing uh, like speculation is um, how like we talked about the desktop last episode and how you organize things. How would you um, how do you create or uh, work within a three dimensional space, even if it's just screens on the walls everywhere, which I think is kind of silly in my opinion. Right? It's like Remember, that was one of the things we talked about last episode, too, which is like, what is the difference between sculpture in the gallery or like your work in a gallery versus your work online? Right. And you were like, oh, I think, you know, I really yeah. struggle with that. And I think this is something where I don't have a resolution. What I have made work about, though, is that it would allow you to like explore three dimensions in ways that are personal and um it's they, they still presented this as an externalizing device so, like but but so your interest is sort of in in uh let's say artistic experiential yeah it would be like you're not interested in in using iMessage in uh, ar no no not particularly no I, I, or like extending your laptop that demo that they did where you can have your laptop and then have an extra screen floating above it. No, I'm more interested in like, what, what what could I do to create like a little gallery space in my home where I'm like recomposing or composing like the same way you'd compose music on your Moog or your synth, but within a uh, three dimensional space. But I think it's also like, there's a huge problem, which relates to our, the very, very first part of our conversation, which is like space is actually like one of the, um, becoming like one of the most expensive commodities on the planet, like actual physical space. Well, that was the thing with Real, Real Player One. They're like, the world is so shitty, they all everybody goes and disappears into VR because the, the regular world is so And bad. I think that's the best critique you could have of AR is it's like VR should be the future because like you're never, you know, you need, you're going to have less and less space, so you need to jack into some kind of infinite space, which is true if you look at kids and video games, right? Like they feel trapped in their bedrooms, so to get out of that tiny little bedroom space, you know, they get into the world of Fortnite, right? That's an infinite universe of exploration. Which is, it's interesting because if you look at the history of New York, there's all this tenement housing and these people living in tiny places. And there's a, you can find it on YouTube. It's Scorsese interviewing his parents. It's a movie called Italian American, mm -hmm. a short film. And they talk about being in these tiny apartments and everybody had five, six, seven kids and there would be all these families in the same building and all the kids would run around from apartment to apartment. So the lack of space actually made things really fun. So you're seeing lack of space as something bad that you want to escape from. Mm. But in reality, back then, it was like a social cohesion because you had to go outside, you had to play with each other. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. then like that, that's where maybe there's an interesting through line, which the biggest weakness or maybe the failure of this device would be its inability to actually be truly portable for it to go out into the world. Like you can't run in the park with it on. Yeah. So the promise of, of, of a digital uh, layer over reality. Mm -hmm. And that like, but the, which the AirPods do quite well. Yeah. yeah. Just to get back to our headphones thing, like headphones were revolutionary to cities because they allowed you to be in a crowded, noisy place, but to have your own personal experience within it. Right. And compose a soundtrack to, 
you know, people talk, I can't remember who wrote about it, but like, you know, the, the city becomes your movie set and your music becomes um, your soundtrack, right? And I, I, I've always yeah. speculated that there was like, AR would eventually end up that way. Like, and it would just be the same way graffiti is a personal expression or a mark on the city as a canvas that we would eventually end up in like kind of a youth culture movement where like there's yeah, like a yeah. hidden layer, right? Like a hidden soundtrack that's just for you. Um, but yeah. It, for example, if, if there were glasses that were single purpose AR, so let's say there was a Google Maps glasses and all it did was point certain arrows and you could be, take me to the nearest Starbucks and it would point the direction as you walk or as you ride your bike. Mm-hmm. If they could integrate that into your sunglasses for an extra 60 grams of, of your glasses and you would hardly notice them and maybe it took photos as well. I guess that's what Google Glass was. They were like, this is a limited thing. It has a few functions, but it does it well. Yeah. It just didn't... Would you... Would I mean, you... You wear glasses already. Would you add that that little cube, a little block to your glasses to do that? Yeah, I mean, I said I wouldn't talk about this, but I, I, at that I like it because it's just so far off from being good. Um, like, because Google Glass, it's like, yeah, you could look at a postage stamp screen, like kind of hovering a uh, hundred, you know, feet in front of you. That, but your phone in your hand is the exact same thing. So. Assuming, yeah. though, you could get the same quality. I just remember yeah. walking, Google Maps as you walk is fine, but when you ride a bike, it's kind of difficult. So it would be nice to have some kind of arrow pointing where you got to go. Sure. I mean, you are reflecting on like the, these like core use cases, right? But uh, like my whole argument is like we don't know what the use cases are because if you're in that McLuhan mindset, yeah, right now we're looking at what exists today that could exist in this new reality but we're not speculating on what new modes might emerge no at all but uh, there are there are wishes that that you can have uh, for example i would love it if the laptop would unfold to a 30 inch screen like i don't know how they would do that but i would love it if it existed like i could travel and you get to your hotel and you have a giant screen or any any way you could solve that issue or, isn't that what this is though? Uh, have the yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> but it's heavy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, for maybe a but, couple But of I hours. don't want to put a thing on my face. That's maybe what I'm saying. Mm. I, I don't want to put a thing on my face. Okay. I want it on the wall. I want the image to be on the wall, not on my face. If if screens were like paper that you could roll up, you know, like, or like it was so light that you could like, you could carry in your hand, exactly. you'd have like five marbles. You throw them on the ground. Or a little projector. Yeah. W- wouldn't you love that? Wasn't it in the movie Her, they, they have... Holograms, they don't have VR helmets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have holograms, like like a projector. And it's like, it's the, the audio thing is for the intimate relationship with AI. Mm-hmm. The desktop is for writing and the hologram is for entertainment. So you have those three spaces. That's their speculation, yeah. And I think it's close to what we're currently yeah. living in right now. I think that's a pretty, to me, that sounds like a much better future. Like if I want to do work, I want to do it at a desk. I think that's just like the movie theater. I think the desk is a proven thing that it's a good space for thinking. It's a good space for focus. Mm -hmm. And then entertainment, you want it to be a bit bigger and immersive. But I don't see this desk work migrating to the immersive environment. But the thing that's kind of like, for me, surprising about your reaction so far is like, 
you you maybe because you're like more two-dimensional you've often said to me like 3d is a lifestyle um this is this is this is in my opinion like an artistic this this device though not it was not presented that way will be an artist device it's a it's like a new form of well that's a shitty market because no artist can afford this thing no no i know but artists will create I know I'm joking, it. but yeah. like, and I, I, yeah, I, I would, I can't imagine it. That's the killer app. Like, because what do we always talk about? Like people want experiences, not things. And then you create the ultimate experience delivering device. Who's going to create all the experiences? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine making a, what I call a, a forest of browser tabs. Like you can walk through a space where there are all these floating browsers <laughs> with my work. That's so and, funny. You know, Forth. That's very easy because you to did imagine. that in, in that you really did that fun. in Germany, basically. Yeah, and it costs a lot of money to do that <laughs> in real space. Yeah. Well, that's one of the one one of the critiques I would table for AR is that because it reduces the cost of um, three dimensional production and construction. Right. Think of how expensive it is to, to put together a museum sized space with artifacts. Even early on, when I started working with AR, like twenty five years ago, I'd participate in shows. You know where people did. Um, like AR experiments and stuff, because there's been AR on your phone. Maybe it wasn't 20 years ago, but like 10 years ago. I, I won't. I won't name the specific shows. Well, I when, be when, did, when did the first people? When, when when did people start using the Oculus in exhibitions? Like maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, but even before that, there was like like these apps on your phone where you could do kind of these like. Yeah, but I remember some exhibitions in the New Museum, and there's like. A headset hanging on a cable yeah. from the ceiling, and then like there's a, you would wipe the headset and, and put the dirty toilet seat on your face. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I mean, yeah, like there was. Um, it's disgusting. That Jordan, uh, what's his face's stuff was there, and then Jordan Wilson. Jordan Wilson but even yeah. before that, I feel like even five, six years before that. But even know. before that, there was like this app called Layar, and there were these like crews in New York that were doing. Oh like, yeah you know, like collectives that were doing these exhibitions. But what I always noticed in them is the quality. Like digital graffiti. Yeah, the quality of that digital graffiti was inferior by a margin of 100 to like real graffiti. Like the craft was so low. <laughs> like, and so I think that's why I'm saying like the, like there's the tools for crafting. A friend of mine recently sure. did an exhibition where they like, they did like kind of, they did focus on the craft of, of, of VR and AR. It was a VR show. Um, like, but I find that's extremely rare. Like, it's still caught in that novelty phase where you're like. Well, it's it's interesting what you say when you're like trying to do something in VR that's better in another medium. Yeah. But at the same time, a lot of painters and and printing companies now are trying to get to RGB colors because everybody's like, I want the book to feel as bright mm, as Tumblr. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, well, I think you're a good example of someone who took the web, which in its original form was vastly inferior to the analog, right? Like, think of, like, a web page in 1995. Like, sure, there were hints of how it was going to be better, but MIDI music playing on top of, like, a starry background animation wasn't necessarily better than getting the latest issue of Vogue magazine, right? Like, that was a glossy magazine was still more rich and beautiful than that web experience but you found a way through successive iteration to a form that never existed and couldn't exist anywhere else right that was the challenge yeah but you did what it what can we do here yeah. that we can't do anywhere else and, and yeah. that's what i'm saying like the opportunity is 
uh, right here uh, for this right now. And it, so. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just, when I see this thing, I'm like, I don't care. It's this immediate feeling, and everybody knows who's listening, who's heard me talk about this before, but I'm just yeah. not excited. But the bottom line for me that I just, and, and I want to get it out there, though, Raph, is that someone was quality, saying that, that quality the, matters. the worst is going to be that the dads that are going to film the wedding of the children with this helmet on, because mm-hmm. one of the killer apps supposedly for this is you can make 3D movies and present 3D movies, So, but you have to wear the helmet at the wedding. Oh, of course, it's like, absurd. Okay, guys. Smile for the Vision Pro. It's like at my wedding, I had my brother wearing an iPad to stream the wedding live. <laughs> and of, of course, that was a joke. But, you know, like if, that obviously will be cringy forever. Uh, but I'm again, I'm making the argument that all of that is bullshit. Like it's what comes next. And the, the, the killer app of the device is the quality of the image. And this is what I started when we started talking about it. I was mentioned is that the you know, all these companies have been doing like shitty image quality, right? Like, and they're favoring convenience, I guess, which would be, you know, kind of your argument, like price, convenience, it's easy, it's light. But the killer app, like the hi-fi system is a good pair of headphones that are good enough to simulate what it would be like to be in your living room. But nothing has come even close to the living room for visual effects, right? And so um, I think that this is like... And, and, and yeah, for example, I think... The experience of binge watching a show, um, you wouldn't want to do that in a movie theater. Like we can all agree, you wouldn't want to go to the movie theater once a week for eight for hours, twenty-two weeks, <laughs> and then yeah. yeah. So the experience of binge watching is better at home, and then a lot of people watch stuff on their phone or their iPad. But as a couple, if you find a show that you both love, and watching that in the living room on the couch with popcorn and the big screen. That makes it a lot more interesting. No, I agree. Like VR is antisocial, right? And that's why there's this idea of the eyes on the other side of the headset. Um, I I, <laughs> I think that would so be it. It would be creepy to do that. Like I still don't wear headphones with my partner, except if we're on a plane. So it is a personal device. I'm not pretending like this is going to become like a social device. Like all I'm saying is it's a great personal expression device. And it, it, that's probably it's what it's... poor man's Coachella. That's probably what we're going to get, right? Like, it's a pair of headphones for the eyes. Stop there. Like, headphones are not social, right? Like, okay, next. Yeah. People like good music on their headphones. What are they going to want on their eyes? They're going to want good experiences. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, even people who say, like, video games are social. Well, I think that's the title of the episode. Headphones Headphones for the the eyes? eyes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do. That's maybe all there is to say. Yeah. but thanks yeah. for talking about it with me. Enough said. And I will make a lot more yeah, jokes about it probably in the coming months. But I thought it was important for us to have some kind of a sincere conversation about the value what, of this. What my prediction of this whole thing is there's going to be a lot of appointments at the Apple Store of people wanting to try it. And I think the conversion rate will be really low, but maybe that's okay. But I think like a thousandfold more people will try it than buy it. Yeah, probably on V1. But like, are you not surprised when you walk into a room and maybe it's the rooms I'm walking into and every person in the room has an Apple Watch on? Yeah, but that's $300. I know. But doesn't that surprise you? Like it did start at $300. Started at like $8.99, I think was the first one or something. Or it was was high fives, like $5.99 maybe was the entry. Uh, 
No, that didn't surprise me. I I think I bought the first one, but I'm not a watch person, so I returned it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. It it I wore it, and I don't like having a thing on my wrist, but it definitely didn't feel like, oh, my social life is over when I wear this. Mm-hmm. But just how much of your time is social? Uh, like half the day, I would say. Mm. Well, like talking to Christina, walking the dog, yeah. going for lunch. Uh, seeing the neighbors yeah i even i like to listen to podcasts while i go do groceries and i already feel self-conscious i'm walking through the building and i see my neighbors and i can't properly say hi well there is one point that we didn't talk about i know we're going long here but we did think this was going to be a long conversation which is like you can't multitask while something's interrupting your visual field right like um so you do have to be in a focused position. And that might also be why they presented it in the home versus outdoors. Cause like you don't want to rock across the street and like get run over um, because you're like trying to slay a dragon or something like that. Right. So, well, they were, that's, that's why they do the mixed reality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even so still bumping into the furniture. The, yeah. yeah. Like, cause there are two demos, right. There's that they, that are cliche. The one is the like Ikea furniture demo demo. The other is like try on a pair of jeans in AR, like those are two, like, but then the third is like the most popular well, one is the Pokemon Go one, right? Which is your hunting in the streets. If we so. zoom out, if we zoom out a little bit, mm-hmm. tech has made gigantic profits the last uh, 40 years and has grown and people are excited about it and they want the next leap. Mm-hmm. And so blockchain would be one of them, AI would be one of them, and then immersion would be one of them. And I don't think blockchain lived up to the hype. And I think AI will do very boring things. And I don't think it's going to. Yeah, but I think. But but every time there's a new thing, there's this tremendous uh, marketing campaign that's assaulted at you in many layers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is just a long one coming. Like, I think that's why. And a lot of the posts I saw online were, you know, from other from designers. Some of them are actually our listeners like Sterling, uh, who's an artist. He worked on the Apple headset. Uh, Sterling Crispin and it was interesting to see him talk about it Um, and this you know like for example you said AI is not a thing but it actually does use AI to predict where your eyes are going to look based on the dilation of your pupils like so what your intention is in terms of what you're looking at versus um, where you're you know because eyes dart around right so how is it so precise because it uses Mm -hmm. eye tracking system yeah. And so they they're doing all kinds of stuff to avoid like the neural That's implant. similar to the the swiping on your on your keyboard on your iPhone. Yeah, there's just like yeah. so much work that just, went into making this thing, thing yeah. feel right. Um I'm sure it's better than others. That that's not my doubt, but mm-hmm. just predicting by personal action, I think I'm happy to try it sometime, but my prediction is I'm not going to buy it for the next 5 years. Yeah, no, I, I, I fully expect that that's a reasonable uh, timeline for, for getting to mass adoption. But it's an early adopter device for sure. And so they'll sell yeah. out. I don't even know if it would be possible for me to get one. Um, I think that's already true, the amount of excitement. The Cybertruck, for example, is also a shitty car, but like millions of people want it, right? So it's there is a hype cycle. Are you getting it? The Cybertruck. I have, my deposit is still uh, down. Um but do you would you feel self-conscious driving it now that elon musk is is publicly right wing well i already drive a tesla so i know i know but this different this one really looks like an aggro <laughs> yeah it does have like 
um, it does almost seem like I can see it with like uh, Confederate flags hanging off the back of it or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I doubt we'll actually cash in our deposit. It was just like, I think yeah, it was like five years ago that I put it, it was like a $100 deposit to be on the list. I don't think that thing is happening anyways. It is. Yeah, they're manufacturing it right now. <laughs> it's going to happen. You'll see them oh, really? around. Yeah. I thought they couldn't figure out the windshield wipers. No, no, they just have a huge windshield wiper that doesn't actually yeah. wipe the whole windshield. Yeah, that's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Anyways. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about this again. Yeah. Uh, t- yeah. I, talk about real life. So we rented a place in Long Island for two weeks in August, and you and Kristen were supposed to come, but due to your eyesight mm-hmm. and the surgery, you're not able to come. Well, the re- the surgery that's keeping so, me from coming that's very is, real. is, can I just, one real statement on that is like, the sur- I had it on Wednesday, this like minor surgery before my major surgery, but the minor surgery is what's keeping me from seeing you guys because... We were going to come see you, then go to the major surgery. But this minor surgery was, they've blocked the drains in my eyes. Like, I don't think they're called the tear ducts because the tear ducts produce the tears. But then the tears need to go out like the sewage pipes of your eyes. These things called punctal uh, ducts. And so basically they plugged those. They put in these like silicon plugs. And so now I'm always, looks like I'm crying. Um, And so that's... That's the real situation. No Vision Pro for you. Exactly. Vision yeah. Pro, like the irony of this whole Vision Pro conversation is like, yeah. I'm on like Vision barely working right now. Um, and yeah. I'm crying permanently. Uh, yeah. yeah. But is it looking okay, the, 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 the prospects? Well, this whole like thing actually really helped my eye comfort. So my eyes are doing really well this week. Okay. Um, they're very okay. moist. It's just more... And it's also being in Toronto is better. Yeah. Immediately, the, I was like smacked with like the humidity here of the East Coast is like, I hadn't been in a humid area in a while. It's it's like tropical. I I have to say, I'm, I'm becoming more fond of New York every year. And this year, the, the spring to summer sort of ascent was, is very pleasant. It's been really nice. And the humidity feels kind of... I really think this is a, a good climate for getting stuff done. I, I lived in California and it was weird. It does something to you. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Yeah, and I, I do really want to come down. Uh, we'll drive down if, if we can um, before we leave Toronto or just fly down for a weekend. Actually, flying probably makes way more sense now that I think about it. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to Germany the last two weeks of August. To, uh, we're doing a BYOB at, at the museum in Germany. Mm-hmm. We'll already be back yeah. in Calgary by then, so it'll have to be in July. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Okay. Well, okay, listeners. Everybody yeah. knows where you will. Yeah, be. exactly. Now the yeah. whole <laughs> the whole world knows our social <laughs> calendar. Uh, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, yeah, let us know. I mean, people. I've been making mistakes on the podcast recently, and I've appreciated uh, folks sneaking into my DMs and scolding me. I said Eurotrack the other day. Uh, when I meant to ma- say Euro rack, uh, uh, when referring to synthesizers. Uh-oh. So yes, I still am stupid, make mistakes. <laughs> uh, and I probably said some things about this headset that are not correct or that you disagree with. I don't mind if you, uh, share your thoughts. If any of our listeners actually already have one because they're super cool. Yeah. Then, uh, let us, know. let us know what's the inside scoop. Um, 
Anyway, hope you're all well. I guess Sterling is 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 our hookup. Yeah. I wonder if he even listens. This is the test. Certainly, he wouldn't listen this long. His impa- he would be too impatient to get to one hour and fifteen. Maybe this episode. <laughs> I feel like a lot of people would have looked at the title of the episode and be like Vision Pro, and then after fifteen minutes of nonsense, they'd be like, "When are they talking about the headphones?" Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's only for the true believers. Yeah. Uh, anyway, thanks, everyone. Exactly. Um, enjoy your summer uh, as it starts yep. to roll See through humidity. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.